Thank you very much, Joan. Great to see you all here. This time last week, I was lecturing 60 students in Cambridge, New Zealand, on the person and work of the Holy Spirit. So I'm expecting hands to keep going up as I share this morning. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. That's all right. On the plane on the way over, I was wondering and praying about the week, how the week might turn out. And let me ask you a question, just you can think about this silently. As they came around for the meal on the plane, the choice of food was beef pasta, Vietnamese chicken salad, or green beans, lentils, and chickpeas. Which of those three, I wonder you would choose? Let me just say it again. We'll be coming around in just a moment. Beef pasta, Vietnamese chicken salad, or green beans, lentils, and chickpeas. Well, I went for the beef pasta. But when I unwrapped it, it wasn't beef pasta. It was green beans <laughs> and lentils and chickpeas. So you know those times that for a moment you think to yourself, you know, what should I do here? Should I just put the alpha oil back on, right? When they come back and collect up all the empties, just hand it over and, you know, look, there was a bread roll and there was a little bit of cake, you know, just be happy with that. Or I have paid for this meal, it's to be reimbursed, right? It has been paid for, should I make, you know, press the little buzzer and get the uh, stewardess to come around. So I, I kind of... You know, I was in a minute there of deciding which one to do, which one to do. I thought, no, look, the meal's been paid for, I'm going to press the button. So I pressed the button, I did. But of course, you know, they're serving everybody else food. So it took a while, it took about 10 minutes before one of the gentlemen came up to me. And he said, yes, sir, how can I help you? And so I took the L-foil off and I said, green beans, lentils, chickpeas, really not me, and I did ask for the beef pasta. Oh, sorry, 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 he said. I'll be back in just a moment. So he went away, then he came back. I'm very sorry. <laughs> you know when you hear those words, I'm very sorry. You know what's going to come next. We have no beef pasta left. But if you want, I do have the beef dish from first class first class. I said, sure. Well, it was absolutely delicious. I'm thinking, oh, I need to fly first class one day. This is so good. So from a terrible situation to end up in a much better situation, then I was happy for the rest of the week. I said, God, it's just going to be an amazing week. If this is the start of 300 people, I'm the only one who's got their meal mixed up and I end up with a first class meal, it's going to be a great week. And it was. And it was. We're working our way through the Sermon on the Mount, and this morning is Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 34. Now, I do know that John Sweetman preached on this passage in January, and some of you will have heard that or seen that message, a great message, and I thought, well, maybe I should just skip over it because John's already spoken on this, and I thought, no, we just keep with the flow, and sometimes, you know, we each bring a little different aspect so we'll do that again this morning. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 34. Jesus speaking, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. 
For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? Why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things, and you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. Let's be honest, how much time, how much energy... How much worry do we put into chasing things and stuff that we think will give us lasting contentment and satisfaction when what we really need to do is to be a bit more contented with what we have, to use and enjoy what we have, to appreciate more the beauty of the world and good in others. What really matters our time here on this planet. When my grandfather first moved into a nursing home, he moved from a three-bedroom home, my grandmother had died, and he moved into a nursing home. I was a little bit shocked that first day to go visit him, because as I walked in the room, I thought, here is a man of 94 years of age, and all his possessions can now be in one room. His awards that he had up on the wall there, his letters from the Premier and the Lord Mayor that had been framed, small wardrobe with some clothes, all his possessions in one room. And every time now I go visit somebody in a nursing home, that same thought comes to my mind. How we amass all this stuff in life, and yet when it comes down to the end, that's it. What you can fit in this room, that's it, all you can bring in. I'm sure that in our last dying breaths, we won't be thinking about our stuff, will we? We'll be thinking about those whom we love and those who love us and how much they mean to us. In this passage that I've just read, Jesus speaks of two treasures, one eye and two bosses. And Jesus tells us that we are to be single focused or one eye. Jesus says that if we are that way, we can be extremely wealthy without getting an ulcer, without having worrying lines over our forehead, without lying awake at night 
thinking how we can build bigger barns to put all our stuff in. Jesus tells us that if we live this way, that he is calling us to, and apply them into our lives, then we will appreciate and we will be able to have real wealth. It's important, I think, when we come to this passage to see that Jesus is not against us possessing things. Maybe we've heard it said, you know, somebody said, I want it and I want it now. And we've said, you know, well, no, to, to want stuff in that attitude, right, is not correct. But we are made to want. We're made to want things. It's the way that we're designed. Imagine for just for a moment, if you lived without wanting for anything, you know, sometimes it comes around, it comes around Christmas time, and my brother or my sisters might say to me, Neil, what do you want for Christmas? Oh, I don't want anything. I don't want anything. I've got everything. In fact, I want to get rid of a little bit of stuff, right? But it's not true that we want for nothing at all. Soon enough, we'll want for food or drink, we'll want for the company of another person, the experience of something that brings us great happiness or to be eased of pain. So Jesus' words are that though we shall always want for something, it's where we direct our wanting that's most important. Are we seeking after trash or are we seeking after treasure? And it's easy over time for our wanting at just the smallest, slightest thing, then to become and grow into an obsession where that thing is all that we start thinking about. How good would it be to have that? In the very same breath that Jesus says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures, in the same breath he says, do, but do, lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. So Jesus is telling us, yes, go for it, desire it. Devote your time, your energy, your thinking, the resources you have for storing up treasures in heaven. Because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where we are rich is where we are at. And Jesus is serious about this, this whole Sermon on the Mount aren't just beautiful platitudes, aren't just great sayings that we could find a lovely picture of a sunrise and put them on a wall somewhere and look at it occasionally. But Jesus is saying, no, right? You have the choice. You can decide how you want to live your life. And Jesus' words are challenging. They convict us. They do shine a spotlight on us of whether we are becoming more of the world than in the world. It's so easy to be caught up with it, isn't it? It's particularly in our Western world. Here's a picture I took last year of the Sydney Opera House. Before I went down to teach at the Bible school down in Barrow, I received this uh, message on Facebook that Nikon was having this tour around Sydney Harbour and for $80, for $80 I could pay, I needed to get down to the wharf there and that there would be a two-hour cruise on the boat. I thought, $80, that's nice. Nice way to spend a Tuesday evening and take some photos around Sydney Harbour as well. 
So I got down there, hopped onto the boat, and as soon as I hopped on, I didn't know any of this. Sir, would you like a champagne or an orange juice? I thought, oh, I'll go for the orange juice, thank you very much. And then it wasn't long before they started coming around with all this food. Thankfully, I hadn't eaten any dinner. There's about five, six servings of food kept coming around all the time, all for free, all for free. Well, part of the $80 as well, right? Taking the photos, thought, how good is this? I'm being well fed, my orange juice gets, keeps getting filled up. I'm getting all this, uh, taking these photos at the same time, all this for $80. And then as I walked off the boat, they gave me a carry-on bag, which will carry-off bag, with all these little goodies inside of it, including a $50 voucher to spend at the shop. I'm thinking, this has got to be the best night out I've ever had. But those of you who've been to Sydney, right, you know right near the bridge there, there's a row of apartments that kind of jut out into the harbour, and Russell Crowe used to have one of them. And as we sailed past, the guy who was right on the end, right, so he looks from his lounge room and he can see the harbour bridge right there. Well, we stopped for a little while, right, just outside where his, his place was. And I was able to see into his lounge room there because it was all glass. And he's on the couch and he's watching television. And for a moment there, I just looked at him and I thought, I wonder what kind of life you live. If you're living in this place, right on the harbour, you're not driving a little Holden Astra like I do, Right? You've got some Jaguar or BMW. And then I wonder what you do during the day. I wonder what your job is. I wonder what your family is. And how would it be to live your life for just a short time? Wake up, Neil, wake up. That's never going to happen. <laughs> but just for a moment, have you ever thought that? This week I've been thinking about Taylor Swift. <laughs> Good old Taylor. What would it be just to be able to fly in a jet, right, wherever you want? To stay at the penthouses of all these hotels she stays at. I wonder, I'd like to follow her around for just a few days, find out what her life would be like. Dream on. Martin Luther, Martin Luther says this, he said, Whatever it is you look to to make you safe and happy, that is your goal. Where are you looking to or whom I should say to make you safe and happy Jesus never said money is evil he never said that it was Paul who wrote that's the love of money the love of money which is evil when money is the thing that we set our heart on we dream about getting more and more we pursue endeavors only for the sake of more money then Jesus is telling us here right you are on the path of evil but if God is the one on whom we set our focus, that we know that everything good that we receive has come from his hand, then we are on the path that he intends us to be on. Jesus says we need to be single-focused, to be one-eyed. What or to whom are you looking to to determine your decisions? That will in enhance your affections, set the course of your will and find the expression in your behaviour. It's true, either we take God seriously or we take wealth seriously. 
Jesus says you can't be two eyes. You can't have one eye on God and one eye on wealth and possessions at the same time. You're going to end up cross-eyed. Of course, we know if the wind changes, you'll be like that forever. So they say. What are we gazing at? What are we staring at? Either wealth takes us over or God takes us over. And there, there is no third option. Some people may think, no, money's not going to rule me, but neither is God. I'm going to live my life my way. Then I shall truly be free. Free to do whatever I want, whenever I want. But that's not an option. That's not an option that Jesus puts before us. For we'll soon discover that little old me still has wants. It's built into us. Turn towards wealth and money. We're on the path of perishing. But turn to God through Christ and we find one who has come to us out of the Father's great love so that we shall not perish. We all have wants. Maslow wrote a hierarchy of needs, triangle, and along the bottom, he said that everybody has physiological needs of air, water, food, heat, clothes, getting rid of bodily fluid and wastes, shelter and sleep. They are the absolute essentials of life. But then as you work up the triangle, right, there are more needs that we have. Each of us, I do think, has a need to love and to be loved. That's something that God has put into us. There was a group, they had a song, Money Can't Buy You Love. It's true, isn't it? Here are some other needs I was thinking that we, that we have. We have the need for relief from guilt. Money cannot buy forgiveness. But occasionally we hear of people who try to do that. They try to buy others off that they won't disclose, that they won't say something, right, in fear and condemn the other person. There is a need for relief from guilt. And in Christ we find one, that when we come into him there is no condemnation for those who are in him of any kind. No condemnation of any kind. We also have a need for freedom from fear. Might be fear of rejection, fear of failure, fear of death. Fear of rejection is taken away when we come to know Christ and we find that we are accepted in the beloved, that we are adored by God, that we are the apple of his eye and that he has blessings for us. We do not need to fear. Fear of failure. Some of us perhaps have those personalities where we need to succeed at whatever we do. We need to, you know, strive to be the best. But when we come to Christ, guess what we find? We find that God accepts us with all of our failures. And that in Christ, he will keep us from falling and present us faultless before his presence with great joy. 
and hopefully also, I had to think about this this week as I was writing this in New Zealand, I was thinking about this also, that as we mature, hopefully we are failing less. Failure doesn't and cannot separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. We also have a need, some perhaps, for the fear of death. But again, we come to Christ and we find that Jesus has gone through death, that he has become victorious over death and all those in him. So there is no need to fear death. I might fear how I die. Hopefully it's not long, suffering death. But death in itself, I said to the students this week, or last week, I said I am 100% assurance that when I die, I go to be with Jesus in heaven. With Christ, we have no need to fear. What needs really matter in our lives? We're not just creatures who have some creaturely needs, but God has declared that you and I are moral beings created by God, His children, and that we come to our Heavenly Father to trust in Him that everything that we need in life and godliness is found in the divine nature that He has implanted within us. Freedom from conscience is more important than the comfiest bed and the most expensive meal at a restaurant. Freedom of conscience. And the, Jesus says the choice is yours. Which one are you going to choose? Individually, we have to make up our own mind, don't we? Are the things of this world going to captivate me? And are those things, right, going to draw my attention that I need to have more and more and more? Or is Christ going to captivate me? And my desire, like Paul writes in Philippians chapter 3, is that I may know Christ, and he's writing there, that I might know Christ experientially more and more in my life. Which of the two are we going to choose? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. We look not at what can be seen, but at what cannot be seen. For what can be seen is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal. All this. All this that we see all around us, God says one day will disappear. It will all decay, it will all be taken away. Those who seek to be wealthy for their own sake, ignoring God, despising Him, I do think invariably get caught up in greed, corruption, dishonesty, meanness and unpredictability. While those who seek after God and his righteousness, this is what we receive. I could go on a long list, but here are just some things. Goodness, kindness, honesty, generosity, compassion, joy, and much more. God is saying to us, right, seek after me and you will have everything that you need. In fact, you will have more than you need. So perhaps the theme of this passage this morning is seek after God, centre your whole life on Him and discover that He will meet your worldly needs. 
be wonderful if we had time, right, to open up the microphone and for some people to come and be able to share how God has met their worldly needs. I'm sure, right, we all have a story, at least one story in our life. Peter Francis, the principal of Malian College, mentioned in chapel one day that he and Wendy and the children had moved to Cleveland. They'd come from the States where Peter was studying and he said, we arrived in Cleveland and he said, Neil, we had really next to no money. Started employment at Cleveland Baptist Church. He said, so much to the point that the cupboard was bare. And he said, I used to pray at night and say, God, I don't know what I'm going to feed the kids for breakfast tomorrow morning. But he didn't want to make it known, right, to the rest of the church. And yet he said, repeatedly opened the front door and there was a box of food right there at the front door, ready to feed the kids for breakfast. You have stories. I know you I have stories as well. God says, I will look after you if you trust in me. Interesting that the words that Jesus said here to these people, they were poor people. They were ones who struggled daily just to exist. Jesus is not preaching a name-it-and-claim-it gospel that all that you desire on this earth can be yours if you just have enough faith. He's not even saying, right, your best life is now. Jesus doesn't promise any of that. He says, trust. Trust me. Your heavenly Father knows your need. Trust him and he will supply them. All that you need is in the hands of your Father, and so trust Him, not the things which are in His hands. Seek after Him, not the things that God will give us. For it's the things, if we seek after the things that God holds in His hand, again, right, we're not looking at the right place. And those things will become more important to us than God Himself. We'll never be free of all worry and anxiety. We'll never be thankful for all that God has given for us. And we will continue to strive, but strive after him. If we know that this is God's world and that all that we receive from him comes from his good hand, then we won't be chained to the things that we desire most. Jesus says, trust, ask, and wait, and see what God will do. If we know that behind all that we need is a loving Heavenly Father who desires us to enjoy all that's good for us, withholding sometimes the things from us that He knows will lead us astray from Him, then we can know and trust him to supply all that is good. Of course, it's demonstrated in Christ's death on the cross, isn't it? That God did not even withhold his own son to demonstrate to you and me how much he loves us. Jesus illustrated this with the story of the birds and the flowers. Birds, they're one aim in life 
is to feed. At the Bible school last week, there's a heron. There's a mother heron and a little a chick, although the chick's grown up a little bit. And they told me that the heron fell out of the nest when it was quite a young age and so hasn't learned to fly. And so this heron walks around, it fascinated me, walks around all day around the gardens of the Bible school, you know, picking up little grubs out of the grass. And I was able to get, it's no fear of humans at all, right? So many students there. With my camera, I was able to get, say, within three metres of this heron as it's just picking up little grubs out of the grass. Its whole day is spent in looking after getting food. Birds, of course, have also have the instinct to build a nest for their young and to do that so that they may have a place of protection. That's their instinct that drives them to do this. But birds don't stress or worry, I think. They just led to, now I need to do this. Jesus mentions wild flowers that in his day, many would bloom only for one or two days because the, uh, the heat was so intense. That's all that they could bloom for. And yet he tells us here, Jesus tells us, God provides for them. How much more is he going to provide for you? Their life is limited, but we know that in Christ we receive eternal life. The only way we can be free from worrying about stuff is to seek after God and his righteousness. Or another way put is this, go with God, he promises to take care of us. And that's what trust is. Trusting him for all things, for life and godliness. What about this storing up in heaven, things storing up in heaven? Look, I don't know that this is true, but I find it a little interesting way someone has put it. And they've said this. You could use it in an art situation, an art gallery situation. You could take it, use it in a sporting event situation. You could even use it in a music concert situation. Imagine you and I go to Taylor Swift concert. Now you know, no thanks, says Brian. <laughs> you know all the songs, right? We're just hypothetical here this morning. You know all the songs for three and a half hours, 44 songs she's going to sing, and you know every word, and you've got the bracelets around your wrist, and you're dressed in pink, and the men have, uh, no, the women have lips, red lipstick on their lips, right? And you know everything about it. Your appreciation level at that concert, right, will be quite high, be enormous. Now, I come with you as your guest. Oh, Neil, would you like to come with me? Oh, sure, love to come, love to come. What do I know of Taylor Swift? Well, I know Shake It Off, I know that song. And I know the song You Belong To Me. I know that song. There's probably a couple of other songs, I suppose, I know as well. Know a little bit about her background. She has a younger brother. Parents, I think at the age of 13, when they discovered that she was able to write songs, they moved from where they were, from Tennessee, I think, down to Nashville, so she'd be surrounded by good songwriters, I know that. 
But you, I'm getting away from the thing, right? We both go to the concert the same. Now, your appreciation for her, if you're, you know, really tailored, if you're a Swifty, right, is the maximum. You walk out of that concert and you go, how good was that? That was amazing, amazing, the best night of my life. I walk out and I have appreciated her, right, to the maximum that I can of what I know about her. You see where I'm getting at? And I'm not jealous of you because I think, like, I have had a, I've had a, a great night too, right? That was awesome. And you're not jealous of me even though I know far less. And someone has said, maybe this is what heaven is like because in heaven there's no envy and there's no jealousy is that when we get to heaven, those who have really walked with God for a long time, right, and know Christ in their life for a long time, their appreciation level will be like this. But also those who come into the kingdom in just their last breath, Jesus, I believe you, thief on the cross, right? Jesus, I believe in you their appreciation will be at the maximum that they can experience and neither will be jealous or envious of the other and so it's just a thought maybe heaven is like that where we shall appreciate him for what we've known of him here on this earth just a thought something to think about cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do want our mind to be single focused, to have our eyes on you, not the things that you give to us, although they're extraordinary and they are blessing. Lord, not to love the things that you give to us, but to love you. Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who gave everything for us on the cross so that we might know the forgiveness of our sin, that we might experience his life within us. We might have the assurance of eternal life, which is now, not just after we die, that he was raised from the dead for our justification. Lord, keep our eyes and our mind on you, we pray. For your glory's sake. Amen.